Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pelly. Welcome to the special omnibus edition of Journey with Story, where you can listen to all of this month's episodes one after the other. And just so you know, there will be no special intro for the individual stories, no added details and no shout-outs. If you want to hear all of those, then you'll need to listen to the individual episodes and not this version. Got it? Oh, mums, dads, grown-ups, you can download some free colouring sheets at our website, www.journeywithstory.com. Let's take an omnibus journey with story. Now, let's take a journey with How the Moon Became Beautiful. The moon is very beautiful, with his round, bright face, which shines with soft and gentle light on all the world of man. But once there was a time when he was not so beautiful as he is now. Six thousand years ago, the face of the moon became changed in a single night. Before that time, his face had been so dark and gloomy that no one liked to look at him. And for this reason, he was always very sad. One day he complained to the flowers and to the stars, for they were the only things that would ever look in his face. He said, I do not like to be the Mona. I wish I were a star or a flower. If I were a star, even the smallest one, Some great general would care for me. But alas, I am only the moon, and no one likes me. If I could only be a flower and grow in a garden where the beautiful earth women come, they would place me in their hair and praise my fragrance and beauty. Or if I could even grow in the wilderness where no one could see, the birds would surely come and sing sweet songs for me. But I am only the moon, and no one honours me. The stars answered and said, We cannot help you. We were born here, and we cannot leave our places. We never had anyone to help us. We do our duty, we work all the day, and twinkle in the dark night to make the skies more beautiful. But that is all we can do, they added, as they smiled coldly at the sorrowful moon. Then the flowers smiled sweetly and said, We do not know how we can help you. We live always in one place, in a garden, near the most beautiful maiden in all the world. And... She is kind to everyone in trouble. We will tell her about you. We love her very much, and she loves us. Her name is Sinio. 
still, the moon was sad. So one evening, he went to see the beautiful maiden, Signio. And when he saw her, he loved her at once. He said, Your face is very beautiful. I wish that you would come to me and that my face would be as your face. Your emotions are gentle and full of grace. Come with me and we will be as one and perfect. I know that even the worst people in all the world would have only to look at you and they would love you. Tell me, how did you become so beautiful? I have always lived with those who were gentle and happy, and I believe that is the cause of beauty and goodness, answered Signio. And so the moon went every night to see the maiden. He knocked on her window, and she came. And when he saw how gentle and beautiful she was, his love grew stronger, and he wished more and more to be with her always. One day, Neil said to her mother, I should like to go to the moon and live always with him. Will you allow me to go? Her mother thought so little of the question that she made no reply. And say Neil told her friends that she was going to be the moon's bride. In a few days, she was gone. Her mother searched everywhere but could not find her. And one of say Neil's friends said, She has gone with the moon, for he asked her many times. A year and another year passed by, and say Neil the gentle and beautiful earth maiden did not return. Then the people said, She has gone forever. She is with the moon. The face of the moon is very beautiful now. It is happy and bright and gives a soft, gentle light to all the world. And there are those who say that the moon is now like Signio, who was once the most beautiful of all earth maidens. Now, let's take a journey with the dragon and his grandmother. Once upon a time, there was a great war and the king had a great many soldiers, but he gave them so little pay that they could not live upon it. Then three of them discussed the matter among themselves and decided 
to leave the king's army and go off into the world on their own. One of them said to the others, But if we are caught, we shall be hanged. So how can we avoid that? Do you see that large cornfield there? said one of the others. If we were to hide ourselves in that, no one could find us. And tomorrow the army is set to march onwards, and then we can go on our way. The three of them crept into the cornfield and waited for the army to pass by. But they did not. The army remained in camp, and so the three men were forced to remain hidden in the corn for two days and two nights. What was the use of us leaving the army only to die of hunger here in this field? They asked themselves miserably. Whilst they were speaking, a fiery dragon came flying through the air. It hovered near them and asked why they were hidden there. When they explained their predicament, the dragon said, If you will serve me for seven years, I will lead you through the midst of the army so that no one shall catch you. The three men agreed at once, saying, We have no choice. We will accept your offer. At once, the dragon scooped them up in his enormous claws and flew high up into the air over the army and on and on to a far-off place where he released them on the ground. He gave them a little whip, saying, Whip and slash with this, and as much money as you want will jump up before you. You can then live as great lords, keep horses, and drive about in carriages. But after seven years, you are mine. Then he put a book before them, which he made all three of them sign. I will give you a riddle, he said. If you guess it, you can be free and out of my power. The dragon then flew away and they journeyed on with their little whip. They had as much money as they wanted, wore grand clothes and made their way into the world. Wherever they went, they lived in merrymaking and splendour drove about with horses and carriages, ate and drank, but did nothing wrong. The time passed quickly away, and when the seven years were nearly ended, two of them grew terribly anxious and frightened. But the third made light of it, saying, Oh, don't be afraid, brothers. I wasn't born yesterday. I will guess the riddle. They went into a field, sat down, and the two pulled long faces. An old woman passed by and asked them why they were so sad. Alas, what is it to you? They snapped. You cannot help us. Oh, who knows? She answered. Only confide your trouble in me. And so they told her all that had happened between them and the dragon and how now they dreaded what would become of them if they could not answer the riddle. The old woman said, 
If you would help yourselves, one of you must go into the wood, and there he will come upon a tumble-down building of rocks, which looks like a little house. He must go in, and there he will find help. The two gloomy fellows thought, that won't save us, and they remained where they were. But the third hopeful one jumped up and went into the wood till he found the rock hut. In the hut sat a very old woman who happened to be the dragon's grandmother. What are you doing here? She croaked. At once the lad told her all that had happened to him and his companions, and when his sorry tale was told, the old grandmother took pity on him and offered to help. She lifted up a large stone which lay over the cellar, saying, Hide yourself there. You can hear all that is spoken in this room. Only sit still and don't stir. When the dragon comes, I will ask him what the riddle is. For he tells me everything. Then listen carefully what he answers. Sure enough, at midnight the dragon flew in and asked for his supper. His grandmother laid the table and brought out food and drink till he was satisfied. And they ate and drank together. Then, in the course of the conversation, she asked him what he had done in the day and how many fools he had tricked. I haven't had much luck today, he said, but I have a tight hold on three soldiers. Indeed, three soldiers, said she, who cannot escape you. They are mine, answered the dragon scornfully, for I shall only give them one riddle which they will never be able to guess. What sort of a riddle is it? she asked. I will tell you this. In the North Sea lies a dead sea cat. That shall be their roast meat. And the rib of a whale, that shall be their silver spoon. And the hollow foot of a dead horse, that shall be their wine glass. When the dragon had gone to bed, his old grandmother pulled up the stone let out the soldier. Did you pay attention to everything? Yes, he replied. I know enough and I can help myself splendidly. Then he went by another way through the window secretly and in all haste back to his comrades. He told them how the dragon had been outwitted by his grandmother and how he had heard from his own lips the answer to the riddle. Then they were all delighted and in high spirits took out their whip and cracked so much money that it came jumping up from the ground. When the seven years had quite gone, the dragon came with his book and, pointing at the signatures, said, I will take you underground with me. You shall have a meal there. If you can tell me what you will get for your roast meat, you shall be free and shall also keep the whip. Then said the first soldier, In the North Sea lies a dead sea cat that shall be the roast meat. 
The dragon was much annoyed and hummed and hawed a good deal and asked the second, But what shall be your spoon? The rib of a whale shall be our silver spoon. The dragon made another face and growled again three times. And he said to the third, Do you know what your wine glass shall be? An old horse's oaf shall be our wine glass. With a piercing shriek, the dragon flapped its wings and soared up into the air, flying off in a plume of fiery rage. And the three soldiers were free again with their little whip to live long and happy lives for the rest of their days. Now let's take a journey with the whales and the sandpipers. One day, a great whale said to a little sandpiper, There are many more whales than sandpipers in the world. Not at all, said the sandpiper. There are many more sandpipers. More whales, said the whale. More sandpipers, said the sandpiper. They argued a long time about it. Finally, the whale began to sing and chant, sing and chant. The chant was, first, some blowing sounds, as he blew water and air high into the sky. Then, the words of the chant called all the whales to come fast, fast, through the water. All the whales came from the east, pushing up high waves. The great whale sang again. Then all the whales came from the west, and the great whale kept on singing. Then all the whales came from the north and south. At last, all the whales of the ocean were there, Splashing and blowing, pushing the waters of the ocean up to the sky. Did you see? said the great whale. I told you there were more whales than sandpipers. Just wait, said the little sandpiper. He began to chant and sing, chant and sing. The chant was, first, some cheeping, chirping sounds. Then the words called all the sandpipers in the world. Come quick! If I didn't have the eagle to protect me, I would be killed. Come, sandpipers, oh! First all the sandpipers flew in from the east, and their wings flapped until a high wind was blowing. 
The little sandpiper kept on chanting and singing, chanting and singing. Then all the sandpipers came from the west, from the north and the south, until the whole sky was dark. Do you see? said the little sandpiper. I told you there were more sandpipers than whales. Just wait, said the great whale. He began to sing and chant, sing and chant, calling all the sharks in the ocean. The shark heard the song. Soon all the sharks came from the east. The great whale kept on singing and chanting, and all the sharks came from the west, from the north, and from the south, until the ocean was covered with their high, thin sails. Look, look, cried the great whale. There are many more whales than sandpipers. Just wait, said the little sandpiper. He began to chant and sing, chant and sing, calling all the cranes in the world. The crane heard the song. Soon all the cranes came from the east. Then they came flying from the west, the north, and the south, until the noise was like thunder. Look, look, cried the little sandpiper. There are many more sandpipers than whales. The great whale and the little sandpiper kept on calling the fish and the birds with their singing. The tuna heard it. By and by all the tunas in the world came swimming from the east, the west, the north and the south. The great whale called to all the other sea creatures and the little sandpiper called to all the other birds and they all came by millions. And so it went, the great whale singing and chanting and the little sandpiper chanting and singing until all the fishes and all the birds in the world called together. The noise could be heard high in the sky and over all the land and the sea. And still, no one knew whether there were more whales than sandpipers in the world or more sandpipers than whales. The fish asked the great whale, What shall we do now? Let's eat up all the land so that the birds will die, 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 he said. So they began to eat the land. The birds asked the little sandpiper, What shall we do now? Let's drink up the whole ocean so the fish will die, 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 he said. And they began to drink the ocean. It took much more time to eat the land than to swallow the water. The birds finished first. They drank up the whole ocean before the fish had a chance to eat much land. Then, with no water to live in, all the fish died. That is all except the whale. He had a big belly full of water. He could live a whole day on dry land. The whale lay on the dry ocean bottom for a while. Then he spit out the water that he carried. 
It made a great pool, but not a whole ocean. The seabirds began to worry, for they ate fish for food. We need to have fish, they said. So the birds spit out all the water they had swallowed and made the ocean again. One by one, the fish became alive and swam around as well as ever. Then all the fish and all the birds swam and flew back to their homes in the east, the west, the north, the south. Everything was just the same as before. No one knew whether there were more whales or sandpipers in the world. Now, let's take a journey with We Are All One. Long ago, there was a rich man with a disease in his eyes. For many years, the pain was so great that he could not sleep at night. He saw every doctor he could, but none of them could help him. Oh, what good is all my money, he groaned. Finally, he became so desperate that he sent messengers through the city offering a reward to anyone who could cure him. Now, in that city lived an old candy peddler. He would walk around selling his baskets of candy, but he was so kind-hearted, he gave away as much as he sold, and so he was always poor. When the old candy peddler heard the announcement about the reward, he remembered something that his mother had once said. She had told him about a magical herb that was good for the eyes. So he packed up his baskets and he went back to the single tiny room in which his family lived. When he told his plan to his wife, she scolded him, saying, If you go off on this crazy hunt for a cure... How are we supposed to eat? Usually the peddler gave in to his wife, but this time he was stubborn and he said, Here are two baskets of candy. I will be back before they're gone. The next morning, as soon as the soldiers opened the gates, he was the first one to leave the city. He did not stop until he was deep inside the woods. As a boy, he had often wandered there, he had liked to pretend that in the shadowy forest was a green sea and he was a fish slipping through the cool waters. As he examined the ground, he noticed ants scurrying about. On their backs were larvae like white grains of rice. A rock had fallen into a stream, so the water now spilled into the ant's nest. The kind-hearted peddler felt bad for the ants and he said, we're all one. So he waded into the shallow stream and put the rock on the bank. Then, with a sharp stick, 
he dug a shallow ditch that sent the rest of the water back into the stream. Without another thought about his good deed for the ants, he began to search through the forest. He looked everywhere, but as the day went on, he grew sleepy. Oh, I got up too early. I'll take just a short nap, he said. And he lay down in the shade of an old tree where he fell right asleep. In his dreams, the old peddler found himself standing in the middle of a great city. Tall buildings rose high overhead. He couldn't see the sky, even when he tilted back his head. An escort of soldiers marched up to him with a loud clatter of their black lacquer armour. Our queen wishes to see you, the captain of the soldiers said. The frightened peddler could only obey and let the fierce soldiers lead him into a shining palace. There, a woman with a high crown sat upon a tall throne. Trembling, the old peddler fell to his knees and touched his forehead against the floor. But the queen ordered him to stand and said, Like the great emperor you of long ago, you tamed the great flood. We are all one now. You have only to ask, and I or any of my people will come to your aid. The old peddler cleared his throat and said, I'm looking for a certain herb. It will cure any disease of the eyes. The queen shook her head regretfully and replied, I have never heard of that herb, but you will surely find it if you keep looking for it. And then the old peddler woke up. Sitting up, he saw that in his wanderings he had come back to the ant's nest. It was there he had taken his nap. His dream city had been the ant's nest itself. This is a good omen, he said to himself, and he began searching even harder. He was so determined to find the herb that he did not notice how time had passed. He was surprised when he saw how the light was fading. He looked all around then. There was no sight of a city, only strange hills. He realised then that he had searched so far he had gotten lost. Night was coming fast and with it the cold. He rubbed his arms and hunted for shelter. In the twilight, he thought he could see the green tiles of a roof. He stumbled through the growing darkness until he reached a ruined temple. Weeds grew through cracks in the stones and most of the roof itself had fallen in. Still, the ruins would provide some protection. As he started inside, he saw a centipede with bright orange skin and red tufts of fur along its back. Yellow dots covered its sides like a dozen tiny eyes. It was also rushing into the temple as fast as it could, but there was a bird swooping down toward it. The old peddler waved his arms and shouted, scaring the bird away. Then he put down his palm in front of the insect and said, We are all one, you and I. The many feet of the centipede tickled the peddler's skin as the centipede climbed onto his hand. Inside the temple he gathered dried leaves and found old sticks of wood and soon he had a fire going. 
The peddler even picked some fresh leaves for the centipede from a bush near the temple doorway and then said to the centipede, I may have to go hungry, but you don't have to, my friend. Stretching out beside the fire, the old peddler pillowed his head on his arms. He was so tired that he soon fell asleep, but even in his sleep he dreamed he was still searching in the woods. Suddenly he thought he heard footsteps near his head. He woke instantly and looked about, but he only saw the brightly coloured centipede. I must be getting nervous. Was it you, friend? the old peddler asked before lying down again and closing his eyes. We are one, you and I, a voice said faintly, as if from a long distance. If you go south, you will find a pine tree with two trunks. By its roots, you will find a magic bead. A cousin of mine spat on it years ago. Dissolve that bead in wine and tell the rich man to drink it if he wants to heal his eyes. The old peddler trembled when he heard the voice because he realised that the centipede was magical. He wanted to run from the temple, but he couldn't even get up. It was as if he were glued to the floor. But then the old peddler reasoned with himself. If the centipede had wanted to hurt me, it could have long ago. Instead, it seems to want to help me. So the old peddler stayed where he was, but he did not dare open his eyes. When the first sunlight fell through the roof, he raised one eyelid cautiously. There was no sign of the centipede. He sat up and looked around, but the magical centipede was gone. He followed the centipede's instructions when he left the temple. Travelling south, he kept a sharp eye out for the pine tree with two trunks. He walked until late in the afternoon, but all he saw were normal pine trees. Wearily, he sat down and sighed. Even if he found the pine tree, he couldn't be sure that he would find the bead. Someone else might have discovered it a long time ago. But something made him look a little longer. Just when he was thinking about turning back, he saw the odd tree. Somehow his tired legs managed to carry him over to the tree. And he got down on his knees. But the ground was covered with pine needles and his old eyes were too weak. The old peddler could have wept with frustration. And then he remembered the promise of the Queen Ant. We are one, you and we I. We are one, you and I. He began to call. Ants, ants, we are all one. Almost immediately thousands of ants came boiling out of nowhere. Delighted, the old man held up his fingers and said to them, I'm looking for a bead. It might be very tiny. Then, careful not to crush any of his little helpers, the old man sat down to wait. In no time, the ants reappeared with a tiny bead. With trembling fingers, 
The old man took the bead from them and examined it. It was coloured orange and looked as if it had yellow eyes on the sides. There was nothing very special about the bead, but the old peddler treated it like a fine jewel. Putting the bead into his pouch, the old peddler bowed his head and said, I thank you and I thank your queen. After the ants disappeared among the pine needles, the old peddler made his way out of the woods. The next day he reached the house of the rich man. However, he was so poor and ragged that the gatekeeper only laughed at him and said, ha, How can an old beggar like you help my master? The old peddler tried to argue by saying, Beggars are rich men, we are all one. But it so happened that the rich man was passing by the gates. He went over to the old peddler and he said, I said anyone could see me, but it will mean a stick across your back if you're wasting my time. The old peddler took out the pouch and said, Dissolve this bead in some wine and drink it down. Then turning the pouch upside down, the peddler shook the tiny bead onto his palm and handed it to the rich man. The rich man immediately called for a cup of wine. Dropping the bead into the wine, he waited a moment and then drank it down. Instantly, the pain vanished. Shortly after that, his eyes healed. The rich man was so happy and so grateful that he doubled the reward. And the kindly old peddler and his family lived comfortably for the rest of their lives. I hope you enjoyed all of our stories for this month. And if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can enjoy even more perks and resources. Here's to stories aplenty that fill our hearts with grace and goodness, hope and light, so that we remember, as my favourite poet says, All shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Be well, my friends, be well, and join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.